here we are hey everybody welcome good morning it's wednesday thanks so much for joining me on this edition of down to earth it's wednesday february 26th 2020 and i'm saying that because when i woke up this morning i literally had to remind myself that we are in fact in 2020 if you think about it 2010 was just was 10 years ago now and for those of us 2010 seemed like wow so far into the future and now here we are at 2020 i can't believe it but thank god for love and light and health yes right and we're looking great and you're looking great and thank god we're still here so if you woke up this morning i am grateful i believe that you are grateful to indeed be alive anything could have happened overnight uh, you could have gotten a bad diagnosis and even if you are someone who woke up this morning and you're in a hospital room or you have to go visit a relative or a loved one in a hospital room i pray healing and health into you and love that all the love in the universe will overtake you and overshadow you on your journey as you go through this that you're going through today right today is wednesday and it's ash wednesday it's also We're Pink Wednesday, <laughs> right? But it's also Ash Wednesday, it's the beginning of Lent. And I don't know about you, but traditionally most of us for the next 40 days until Good Friday tend to put away something that is meaningful. Whatever it is that might mean something to you, we tend to forego it. It's a sort of fast. Yeah, some people fast from social media, don't fast from down to earth. Some of us fast from Netflix. Maybe I need to do that for 40 days and watch Netflix come out with some blockbusters that I want to watch, right? Temptation. Some of us fast from eating meat. I haven't, I, I am at that point where I don't eat meat. Yeah. So I eat plant-based foods mostly. Barely eat chicken. I can't even tolerate chicken. Barely, I, I can eat eggs, but have a hard time digesting chicken right so it's getting to it's see it's Lent it's the official beginning of Lent so whatever it is that you're gonna fast from I suggest that we all collectively as a group as a nation fall under this umbrella the coronavirus is spreading throughout the world certainly has run rampant through through Asia it's now in Italy is in Spain it's in Croatia where I read yesterday uh, and, uh, and it's just unbelievable. People are all over the world are freaking out because the virus is just going from person to person. And it was interesting that yesterday, the head of the Iranian health department, who is in charge, the gentleman who is in charge of containing the virus and leading Iran's efforts to eliminate the virus, guess what? He posted on Twitter that he contracted the virus. <laughs> right and <laughs> that he had to quarantine himself at home can you believe it and so Iraq is asking its government to close the border with Iran to prevent the virus from uh, becoming uh, an issue in their country it's called a pandemic because it's a global thing now so a pandemic is usually any situation that becomes global the last time we had one was the bird flu I think in 2009 or something like that and so now we have a global issue so the cdc says here that it's not a when it's not a if it's a when at first they were saying it's going to be a problem but now the government is trying to control it 
so they don't want people to panic by saying it may not be such a problem like the rest of us go out and get some stuff and protect yourself arm yourself because people do die from this when contracted you don't hear anybody contracting this thing and surviving it seems like it it weakens the immune system so you have a period of flu-like symptoms and before your body develops an antibody to beat it you die what kind of thing is that like who dies from stuff like that and 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 here's the thing that startles me about it it's not like a protracted illness like somebody who had cancer or somebody who uh, have some kind of lifetime illness you know or, you know a, a long-term what we would refer to as a chronic illness this is like a couple of days couple of weeks and you're out of here what kind of thing is that I, I still think I still go back to saying that China manufactured that in a in a in a thing and tested it on their people and use their people as a guinea pig to see how they could effectively use it. Next time we see it, it won't be called the coronavirus. It will be called something else by China. Y'all know me, so you know I, I'm going to say it, right? So, I'm with the government on this one. I'm with the president on this one. China created this one. I'm with the president on this. I'm with the president on this one. Right? Because when you look at it, why do why do why don't we do that? Why doesn't America do stuff like that? Because we're gonna test stuff on your own people. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. So anyway, so it's Wednesday. It's wear pink Wednesday. So hopefully wherever you are, you're wearing pink. And yes, real men wear pink. Y'all know that real men wear pink. Yeah, because real men were birthed by women right you were nurtured by women even if you choose to do whatever you choose to afterwards but real men know that wearing pink does not take away their masculinity nor does it remove their identity you're still a man you just choose to identify and acknowledge the work of women not just the women in your personal circle but women in general so real men also wear pink right but today I want to talk about something that I came across and uh, it concerns sexism. And I think uh, for most of, most of you guys, uh, most, most of my audience are male, so I think you guys will enjoy or will be able to relate to a lot of this. Uh, my producer brought this to my attention actually, and she's a millennial, yeah? So I am, a lot of what you hear me talk about, they've done the research and then they give me the, they're like, here are the facts. So even if I say, I'm not sure I want to do that. They're like, you should because here are the facts. So I'm like, oh my God. It's kind of like, they're like, but well, you started the bandwagon. So I'm expanding my bandwidth <laughs> is what I, I should say because they're, they're, they're letting me know that these are the stories. And as I looked at it too, I think in a lot of ways, it emphasizes and shows my own generation of how we have been socialized to deal with these issues and how we've been taught and socialized that these are how issues are. I mean, years ago, uh, when I first became aware that there are actually uh, uh, college departments that focus on women and gender studies, I was blown away. I was like, really, seriously? Like, you all recognize that this is something that society needs to teach and people need to become aware. And I think a lot of people, if you haven't done so, like college students, people, we should encourage our children to perhaps do a minor or do a semester in women and gender studies. It's important. And let me tell you why. 
years ago, uh, the biases and the prejudices that exist against women are, are unbelievable. Years ago, uh, I was working with a group of folks in Oakland County, Michigan, to create uh, a program that would focus on violence in families and how violence impacts individuals and the, cause, the causes and the effects and what happens to folks after they have been exposed to violence. And a group of citizens came together and they got a grant and they were running with this program and the grant was for a specific period of time. I was invited to join the group as a member of the clergy and as someone who was outside the spectrum because of my ethnicity and my race typically that group were primarily focused on what happens in white families but i was invited by a member of that group because i represent the another part of the society that often gets overlooked and looked and, and ignored and so my contribution from the organizer's perspective was valuable but to other folks there, they still had their inherent biases and prejudices that were locked in and based on color. And it was interesting to sit among them and, and to hear how people think about people of color and women of color. It's almost as if women of color don't exist. Uh, women of color don't have feelings and what happens to women of color happens to them because it's their fault. And so while I sat there and listened to them, it was interesting. And one of the organizers uh, eventually uh, asked me to sign a copy of my book, Through the Fire, because her daughter was a professor of women and gender studies at a small college in New Hampshire. Now, check this out. She confided to me that she had been exposed to violence in her home and that her daughter, my story as written in my book, resonated my story as um, resonantly clear as it could be that in impacted her because her daughter had had similar experiences with her. She would not acknowledge it publicly. She would not have stated publicly or publicly endorsed me or validated that because I was a woman of color. These are some of the inherent prejudices and biases that exist. So it's so, it, it was curious to me because here she comes in moving in on my humanity and compassion that I, as a member of the clergy, I would retain her confidentiality by not announcing to the whole group that, hey, here she's a survivor of, of violence in her home, but that I would retain that confidentiality but she did say that my book would be uh, uh, submitted at, for a study on women and gender studies. And when I walked away from it, there were a couple of things that became clear. Of course, the implicit biases that exist was loud, right? It overshadowed everything else. But it also made me think about the role of women and the work of women in our society. That she is a woman, she's a, a professional woman, she works in the, in, the, in the government of Oakland County. Uh, and her, in her, even in her role, she could not come forward to disclose that her husband was beating her up because of her role and because of the stereotypes that exist around her. Because if she were to confess and confide that, then it would seem like it's her fault. She was a woman of middle age. 
Her husband was, not only had he physically beaten her during their marriage, but she still continued to be married to him. And now he hardly was at home. He cheated. He was out most of the time. And so it, it, the others, uh, the people around them in their social circles and in their professional circles made it sound like it's her fault for growing older. They met when they were young, they met when they were in college and all that. But now that she's growing older, it's her fault why her husband is, is busy with other women who are younger than her. So I felt I was moved to compassion for her. I was moved to compassion in, in spite of the biases that she exhibited against me as a woman of color and as a woman of uh, and as a woman who was an immigrant at the time I was still an I'm still an immigrant y'all right but using those <laughs> contexts to judge me <laughs> I still kept her confidentiality right I still didn't announce to the group I still you still don't know who she is because I haven't told you her name and I, I'm not doing that it's just a focus on the biases and and so on that exist and I, I, I came across this story and I, I kid you not, you, you know, anybody remembers years ago when Sheryl Sandberg first came out with her book, right? And when she first came out with her book uh, and she wrote this book called Lean In and because she has the money and she has access to media, naturally they made a big splash about uh, her being able to uh, talk about it. Uh, I have a regular caller calling in, so I'm going to tip in and ask. Hey, what's up? Hello, good morning. Welcome to Down to Earth. Good morning. Welcome to Down to Earth. Hello. Hi. Hello, how are you? How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. How are you? You have something to say about this feminist, this sexist thing we're talking about? Well, I'm not sure in the direction that you guys are going with it. Um, but um, I, I will say that... Um, the responsibility and duty of any and all communal problems by the community. So I do feel like this is a community thing. <laughs> but just at the same I do understand that when it comes down to sexism, when it comes down to sensual nature, uh, when it comes down to who, who controls and owns that, I know uh, women, when that is you know, that's more of a, you know, with beauty, that is the thing that is owned all by women. Uh -huh. are, you know, the majority of the time. So I do feel like it is, uh, you know, because they got the little thing coming out now. I think she won an award, an NAACP award. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, somebody was stating, you know, that she won over all of the classiers, you know, oh. that has been nominated nominated and mm -hmm. what you see now is that uh with, with Lizzo she was famous she was known for her music but nothing uh in her music allowed her to be known outside of what she did at the Lakers game and that's when she you know lived up you know she turned around and she had on this oh, train okay. and, you know she did that thing shaking her, her bottom so I do know that it is up to our women and they have a responsibility and a duty to control these things, just as well as us as men. And I think um, it's, it's a thing where us as men, we should uh, control ourselves, control our desires, control our needs to, to approach women 
your contribution call us in again thanks so much yes ma'am well uh the caller put it that that's his perspective he thinks that women should be held responsible for our image and how we are viewed by the society that we have some control over it but in the context of what we're talking about in the context of sexism and i think in a lot of ways uh the artist whom he described lizzo might be uh uh uh, a victim of that in the sense that uh, for her to she had a song for years that was out there and it took years for it to get to number one but she decided to uh, she decided to uh, strip herself at a Lakers game uh, and expose her body parts at a Lakers game in order to gain traction and gain attention and so I, I, I think in as much as I disagree with that, I, and I do disagree with it, I would not advocate that for any woman to do that. But I think that it is, uh, it is uh, she's a victim of sexism. She's a victim because she felt that that was the only way, the only way that she could gain attention. And in a lot of ways, it speaks to the objectification of women in our society, that in order for a woman to gain attention and to go viral as they say as the kids say or to gain some kind of traction based on what you do you have to do something outside the scope of what is normal i kid you not i, I for most of us i've been doing this for years many of you have never heard of me but i have been preaching and speaking on women's issues for more than 10 years here in southeast michigan i have developed a following around the country simply because of it i've gone to other parts of the country to speak about it the reason I am not on national TV has to do with a number of issues. One, biases, color-based bias, yeah, uh, class-based bias, right, and the prejudice against my womanhood. Now, if I were to suddenly decide that this is, I've been doing this for so long and I want my books to suddenly sell exponentially, 
then I recognized from early that I could have done that if I could if I wanted to I could have released a sex tape I could have shown my boobs off shown my body parts off and all of a sudden I would be launched into the mainstream but I decided that I would not give in to the pressure that the society imposes on, on, on seeking fame or, or on seeking attention or credibility for the work you do at first I thought no way in hell I'm gonna do that because I have daughters and it just doesn't side with me and my self-image of myself and number two it would destroy the credibility of the work that I'm doing I work in in areas where I advocate for an end to violence against women and children I advocate for an end to human sex trafficking right to human trafficking period it has come other components to it and so I wasn't going to bear my body parts for others I mean uh, when I started uh, 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 viewing on Twitter people used to ask me to flash them in fact I had a following on YouTube and they stopped because I wouldn't flash him I wouldn't show him my body parts so I think in Liza's case and in a lot of women the the pressure to prove your womanhood the pressure to if you want to be famous here are the rules to play it's in a lot of ways that's what happened in the Harvey Weinstein trial right if you want this role you have to do what I say and the society the society is controlled by men right and men dictate what happens so if you want to roll in a movie you're gonna bow down get down on your knees I'm gonna pull my penis out and stick it into any part of your body if you want the role in the movie how bad do you want it if you don't want the role then get your butt up and walk out of here I have ten others lined up at the door who will do it for me just the same that is what you refer to as societal pressure that's putting us in a box that's saying that that's all we're good for it's, it's no different than when our mothers and grandmothers grew up and they were told that women could only function in certain roles even if they went to college they still could only function in certain roles. In some parts of the world today, women still can only walk, what, three steps behind their men. And the women who try to advocate and who try to change those situations are viewed on the periphery, are viewed as radicals. Like, they think I'm radical. I'm not part of the mainstream. You won't find, and, and even amongst women, we have this misogyny and internalized self-hatred because we look at other women who are different and we don't identify with their experience. We don't identify, we don't think that their experience is part of us. Look at what Sheryl Sandberg did. Sheryl Sandberg said that women should lean in, but her book only focused on women leadership positions, as if women who are working class women, women who are secretaries and personal assistants and executive assistants, women who are just attorneys, women who are not the district attorney, but just attorneys, right? Women who were clerks at judges' offices, women who are nurses, women who are physicians assistants and nurses and nursing assistants and medical assistants, women who are cashiers at the supermarket, as if they are not women. So in her book, in Sheryl Sandberg's case, her book was not only a, some form of gender bias, but it was also some kind of self-hatred self on women. It's almost as if you don't matter because you don't, you're not in a leadership position, so this does not apply to you. So if you go to the table to negotiate, you should lean in. Speak up confidently, they tell us ask boldly for what you want but when we do that they call you aggressive they call you radical and if you are a woman of color you are what an angry woman that's the culture of sexism i want to give you a definition of sexism so you put this into perspective right sexism right 
sexism, the sexist culture is this, prejudice, stereotyping, discriminating against women on the basis of sex, that's sexism, right? The society needs fixing, not on us. I read this story that was written by Ifrat Livni. Uh, she's a writer. Uh, I think this was on Pocket or one of those periodicals that, you know, pop up on your, uh, your, your feed. And in an article that she wrote, I really had to sit back and listen to this and read this article. I really had to sit back and, and, and think about it. And I made some notes myself after reading her article because I was like, I was jumping all over the place. And my producer was like, this is exactly what I think. You should talk about this this morning. And in a culture, I'm going to tell you what the culture says that we should do. And you guys are going to agree with me, right? So I look like you're, you're a teacher. You ready to go there with me this morning? I look like you're a librarian and teacher and everything, right? Women are told to assert ourselves boldly. But here's the thing, if we do it too much, we're aggressive. Correspondingly, if a man asserts himself and is aggressive, he's given a standing ovation, right? In a meeting, we're told to speak up, but in a low tone of voice. You ever been in a meeting with people? Can you speak up like this? In a low tone of voice. But if a man is in a meeting, he speaks the hell up. You know what he's told? He's affirmed and backslapped because he's a man and that's being a man. But if a woman does it, she's too aggressive and too radical and we have to do something. She does not display leadership skills. So Sheryl Sandberg, take a seat. Take a seat. Just perpetrate more stereotypes and more biases against women. This is my favorite one. My When negotiating a salary speak lowly in a soft voice i need to sound like a cat when i'm negotiating a salary when a man walks into a negotiation to negotiate his check he's like this is what i want this is what i want payable on this day that's it shake hands and everybody's like yes yes but a woman does that and i'm a radical and angry i want to know where cheryl sandberg was when i was a, a consultant and I had to feed my children because it was the form of work that I did. So I could feed my children and pay my rent and keep them housed and keep them fed. And I went to Middle Eastern men who, first of all, have issues with women and don't like, don't think women are worthy of being uh, women, even when they're married to doctors and dentists, right? Those women don't even talk about, don't, you don't want them to start talking about sexism. But when I worked amongst those women, I was treated like less than a third class citizen. I wanna know where Sheryl Sandberg's advice about leaning in was. Because when it was time for me to get paid, I use words that are, not, that are common to the vernacular of the streets. If I went in and sat down and crossed my legs in my nice, in my suit and everything that I am and with my heels on and be Miss Kamak, I didn't get Jack. They just laughed. But when I went in and said, you're going to pay me, guess what? That chick came out. So where was Sheryl Sandberg then? Yeah? To lean in. Lean into who? Lean into men? Let me, a, a few years ago, I had a conversation with a woman who was, who worked as an HR vice president at one of the companies, major companies here in Southeast Michigan. And she retired. She was a white woman. She's a white woman. She retired at 45. She said after 20 years, she had chucked it in. 
She said, I'd had enough of the sexism. I couldn't take it. She was told when she walked into a boardroom, the only reason you're in here is because you're white. That's the only reason why we tolerate you. She could not speak up. If she had an idea, she, if she said it, then a man would take the idea and run with it and get the applause and the credit. And if she spoke up, she was seen as trouble. So she said when she got to 45, she couldn't take it anymore. She had had enough. Where was Sheryl Sandberg's advice to lean in? Yes, because she makes it sound as if she's part of the societal pressure and the, the culture of the society, the sexist culture. She's perpetuating it by saying the reason women are not successful is our own fault. As if, as if following her advice to lean in is going to eliminate centuries of sexual dis of discrimination and centuries of sexism, sexism and centuries of anti-feminist behavior, sex centuries and centuries of discrimination against women on the basis of sex, on the basis of color, on the basis of class. Come on, somebody has to hold people accountable when this goes on. Somebody has to say enough is enough. There I was sitting in a, in, a, in a council of people who thought that because I, as a woman of culture, representing a group of a marginalized group, black, immigrant, right? I, do I need to say anymore? I'm female. I am like the trifecta of what the society hates. And there I was sitting there, I was a single mother raising two children, working my way through all the biases and all the societal borders and all the societal barriers. And there I was sitting amongst them. And yet they still perpetuated their own inherent biases as if I didn't exist, as if I were invisible. I was living. <laughs> At first I found it amusing that they dared to do it. And secondly, I found it amusing. And I was like, seriously, this is really how you think of people? I dismissed them as a group. I said, you're not even in the 20th century, much less the 21st century. This is 2013, y'all. Right? And people were still acting as if it is 1955. At one point, I had to ask them, I said, you even dress like it's 1959. I said, how cute. But I don't dress like that because that's not how it works. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at the societal stereotypes, when they tell you, listen to this one, be smart, but don't appear to know too much. Like, I know every woman is doing this. Be smart, but don't appear to know too much. I saw an article recently where they're actually paying people to be stupid now. Don't speak up, don't say anything, don't have an opinion, don't make a contribution. They're, they're hiring the smartest people out of college. But when you get to the job, don't speak up, don't say anything. This is what they tell women, that we should be smart. But don't appear to know, listen to this, don't appear to know too much. And don't look like you know more than your contemporaries or worse, your boss. This is what they tell women. And that's not sexist. Thank you, Cheryl Sandberg, for perpetuating that myth, right? Listen to this one, show ambition but don't overly show your self-worth. So don't have no confidence. You should have confidence enough to walk in the door, but don't, and you should have enough ambition to want to advance, but don't demonstrate it by going to apply for the position. And if they do interview you for the position, 
don't state why you want the position and how you could change the position because then you would offend anyone like seriously they, they actually used to tell me that don't say anything shut up don't tell and give anyone your opinion and I would say why me eternally curious why you see now right and listen to this one dress the part you remember y'all don't remember but when I was growing up women used to wear these huge shoulder pads in their jackets so they could look like a man and women used to wear men's suits I think at one point women used to wear ties too to look like a man and women couldn't wouldn't get married because they didn't want to feminize themselves because then it would look like they're not capable of leading an organization because they're feminine, because they're going to breastfeed and they're gonna raise children. So a woman who breastfeeds and raises children and has periods, a person who is a woman who does that is not capable of running an organization. My leadership skills were not based on my ability to lead an organization, but was based on my ovaries, the presence of my ovaries, the presence of me wearing a bra, the fact that I have boobs that wear a bra, the fact that I have hair on my head, not on my face, the fact that I have eyes and lips that look feminine. Hello, somebody. Dress the part. So you go in. Uh, you can't wear like me okay so I'm gonna insert myself in this now they make pencil skirts and so on but they didn't make them for women like me I'm curvy I'm what they call curvy so I have to, I wear stretchy fabrics because they're more comfortable some of the clothes that they make I can't fit in because it, it, it bursts and when I sit down it's like riding up so I have to wear I, I went to the store yesterday and I saw a girl conforming to to what her job requires of her wearing uh, a skirt and I could tell that her problem was that the skirt was too small it, it wasn't that she, she, she's just a curvy person so the skirt was just riding up that's what they tell us they, they tell us to dress the part well what is the part dress like a man no wonder a few years later we have this confusion in gender roles and gender identities and people don't know which side of the coin they're on because one minute we want women who look like the 1950s stereotype of just baking cookies and that's all the role she should play and the next minute well maybe she should modernize a little bit but not too much maybe she should look like a man so we develop this androgynous idea of what women should look like so we should dress the part but not too much sexism these are problems that are not created by us these are not our problems <laughs> listen to this work is just getting we have to be mindful it, it, it's one of the hardest things for a woman today is when we're getting up you see you guys have it easy you men have it so easy all you have to do in the morning is get up go shower shave put on some aftershave and put your clothes on just put yourself in a pair of pants put on a shirt and if you choose to wear a jacket with a tie and you're good we don't have it like that we have to sit down and think about well where am I gonna be today okay I'm going to work who's gonna be there today uh, what color should I wear I can't if I wear this color it speaks to too much it as women our bodies are politicized what we wear becomes a political statement you walk into work with your heels on and who does she think she is today 
I'm wearing heels because I like how it makes me feel and I like how it looks. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, according to Sheryl Sandberg, we should still lean in, even though as women, we have to be mindful of what we wear to work. I, every time I'm going to discuss wanting a salary, I have to be mindful that I don't offend the people. But I still need to display some kind of smartness, but not to be too smart. Duke University neuroscience professors uh, did a study. And the study showed that when an overemphasis is placed on the messages of individual female empowerment, it diminishes people's sense of systemic obstacles that require societal redress. In other words, we're telling women to be empowered, but according to some people, uh, women should lower, right? We should be more in control of everything in the environment. Like, I can control how people view me. No, I can't. You're going to view me as a woman of color based on my appearance because that's societal limitations and impositions. Yet some people are saying you have control over that. It's a form of internalized self-hatred. It's almost as if, okay, I can't beat them, I'm gonna join them. You start siding with your oppressors because you tell yourself, this is too much for us to fight. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I have come to the conclusion that this sexist culture is too much for me as an individual to fight. It's too much for one individual to fight. It's too much for one individual over here and one over there to fight. It requires the society to change the way that women are viewed and treated. This is one of the reasons why I talk about the objectification of women. And that's why when Lizzo, the performer, came out and was uh, displaying herself, I said, God, we just took like 20 steps backwards because she's proving that in order to get famous, you're going to have to either do a sex tape or go show your body parts. It disproved the message. I am not desperate for fame. I like the money that comes with it, but I'm not desperate for it that I'm going to compromise how I look because I want to be seen on the pages of Vogue or I want uh, to be a trending subject on Google or Twitter. No, not at the expense of my credibility. And I certainly do not want to offend myself and offend my children. I often ask people if what you're doing today, how will you feel about it 10 years from now? You, when you're going to engage in something, ask yourself 10 years from now, how will I feel about it? Sometimes I wonder about people like Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he was going to a court with a, with a, with a walker. And I'm like, when you were standing over all those women and taking your penis out and pointing it at them and telling them to bow down to you so that they could get a role in a movie, you weren't thinking of walking with a walker then. So you want me to believe you're handicapped now? You weren't thinking of their handicap, that they were a woman, that they were women, and that they live in a sexist culture. And as far as you in your powerful position could see, they were beneath you and you had the power over them to control their destinies. There's nothing more offensive to me. Nothing rancors me. Sometimes I blame myself. Honestly, I'm, I'm just being transparent. Sometimes perhaps I even blame myself for not moving faster, for, more forward, because I tell myself it's my own mouth, because I speak up too much. 
I don't know how to, I, I, I used to tell myself that you don't know how to, but I, I think I can't handle injustice when I see it. A, a few months ago, might have been in the fall, I ran into a man and he wanted me to partner with him. But the way in which he suggested the partnership was more suggestive of sexual harassment. He, he wanted to imply that he liked my body. You know, nothing offends me more than that, right? He didn't view me as a contributor to the economy or the culture or of improving the lives of people. The only thing he saw me as was somebody whose pants he could take off. I kid you not. He used words like, this is how sexism works. He used words like, I can get you to your destiny. I laughed. I said, I'm in my destiny. <laughs> I kid you not. He said, we can partner together. There are some things you know more of, listen, that you can show me how to do that so I can be more effective. So I said, how much money are we talking about? And he, I said, oh, you think I do this for free? I said, no, I don't. Do you see, he's thinking in his sexist way that I should be willing to share my knowledge share my skill sets with him at a discount while at the same time he's going to have agency over my body nothing offended me more i actually prayed for that guy i hope he finds hell right here on earth because as i looked at him i could see that this is not a personal thing directed at me but that this is something that he has done to women over and over as part of the sexist culture so his text messages went ignored and eventually blocked is where he found himself. And this happens more often than you know. Women often look for, in places where we look for affirmation or a difference in behavior. We encounter so much of this in the workplace. We're physical, we're emotionally worn out. Did you guys know that? When we encounter sexism in the workplace, because like I said, everything about a woman is political. Men can say what they want to say, eat what they want to eat, do what they want to do, and it is not a political fact in the workplace. It does not impact their ability to get paid or to keep a job. But a woman, if she doesn't come to work because her child is sick, well, she's a woman. What did you expect? She has children. She's discriminated against. And if she's a woman of color, she's three times more likely. Just like in Sheryl Sandberg's book, her book really was not written for every woman. Her book was written for women in leadership positions. Because the woman on the line at McDonald's, who is the cashier, she can't go into the meeting and lean into the boss and demand more wages, can she? Neither can the woman at the assembly line, neither can the Amazon worker, can they? They don't have access. <laughs> they can't go into a meeting and make demands and lean in. Her book was specifically written for women in leadership positions. And even if you work in a firm of trial attorneys, if you're an associate attorney, you can't go in there and in the meeting and just demand stuff. You have to, everything about you is political. My daughter is trained as an attorney and went to work for a law firm here in Southeast Michigan. And the sexism and racism that she encountered was unbelievable. She encountered ageism because she's a millennial. They don't know anything. 
but she was trained by two law colleges. How you don't know anything? The, 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 the racism, the implication that because you're black, you really don't know anything about this. Like you don't see black judges everywhere. How do you think they learn anything? And the sexism against her was stupefying, unbelievable. And I've seen the, one of the senior partners is a woman. But she too projected the internalized misogyny. My daughter was confounded. Are you listening to me? These are the facts. I finally had to tell her that a lot of what you're encountering is too much for you alone to change. This requires that the society changes the way that it shapes the conversation and the activities around the work that women do in workspaces and in other social encounters that we carry out. I said, it's too much for you alone to change. I have found as much as I talk about this endlessly for years and years now, it is still too much for me to change. I, I, I had to recalibrate. I've had to step back. I encounter pushback constantly because I speak up because this is too much. The sexist culture that will make a woman feel that the only value she has is confined to her body is too much. And if I speak up, then if I want money, then I shouldn't speak up. <laughs> and I probably should just purr, but a guy walks in and he says, I'm not taking this for less than $50,000. It's $50,000 and I want a signing bonus of $100,000. Okay, let's sign right here on the dotted line. Let me show you how I know this to be true. Years ago, we, I was supposed to be part of a group. We were getting a grant from an organization in, in Lansing, Michigan. They got the money from another group in California who told us that they had dispersed the money to them. The white woman who headed up the nonprofit, she's now retired, right? Because she saw this coming. She saw where I was going to talk about this eventually. Uh, she retired. She's retired now. She determined that as people of color, she was not going to give us the $75,000 that we were supposed to get. Yes, the organization was called CAPS. Now they're called Michigan Safe and Just, right? She decided she was not going to give up the money. There was a guy there, he, he just talked. Because he's a man and demanded, it's not that I didn't demand. You can imagine I told her, you know I told her where to go, right? But because he's a man and he talked and talked and threatened, I talked and threatened, she still only gave me 2,500 out of the 7,500. But he got his money. I said, how come you got your money? He said, because you didn't listen. I said, how did I not listen to you? I just had a different way of executing it than you did. No, they gave you the money because they're sexist. In addition to being racist, they're also sexist. The woman who ran the organization is now retired. I can't even remember her name. Uh, Lara something. She now, she changed the organization because she saw this coming, because she knew I would never forget it, because it was evidence of the sexism that permeates the culture. She knew she was wrong, but she still did it. You know when people can't get over their biases, they can't get over their prejudices, they still continue to perpetuate these societal, and these have deep impacts. 
Let's be clear, these have deep impacts. I love the writer who wrote the story. Yeah, she deserves all the kudos because she wrote about her own experiences as an attorney. That they, in the courtroom, they were more concerned about whether she wore a dress today, a skirt, how short, how long. Did she wear heels? And if you wear heels, your heels can't be this high. And I'm like, cut it out. I went to a Catholic high school. I remember we couldn't wear heels above what? Three inches was too high. We couldn't wear hoop earrings. Do you know for years, I didn't start wearing hoop earrings till I was like almost 25 because the, 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 the conditioning was still in me. I barely wore, I wore pearl necklaces and barely wore a gold chain. I did never wore jewelry that reflected my personality. I kid you not because of the conditioning, because to do that would make it seem like you don't want to show an image that makes it seem like you're inviting unnecessary male attention. I kid you not. Where do these things come from? These are societal impacts and it impacts people years and years later. Because for years I didn't wear hoop earrings. I, I was affiliated with a church in Southview, Michigan. And uh, one of my friends brought her daughter in for prayer to the pastor. And he shocked the heck out of me. The young girl, she was 15 at the time. And he told her that her earrings made her look like a whore. I was so shocked. I said, you can't tell her that. He said, that's a whorish demonic thing. His wife looked horrified, but she never spoke up because she's afraid of losing her husband if she speaks up. Probably slaps her on the sly when they're at home. Who knows? She never talked about it, right? These have long lasting societal impacts, right? <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, right? They tell us to be more ambitious, speak confidently, demand a seat at the table. That's the messaging from the lean in movement. Uh, try that if you work at Amazon and come back and tell me how that works for you, right? Uh, the thing that I find the most glaring of all this sexism is that somehow we women are blamed for the sexism and the discrimination with which we're treated. It's my fault. It's my fault that I am a woman of color and I'm an immigrant. It's my fault that I was born in the gender of a woman. It's my fault that as a woman, I can only do this. It's my fault. That's the messaging from the society. So the society says, in order for you to be accepted, here are the ways in which we think you should look and should change. Then we're going to accept you. And most, most of us still change. And then you find that when you do that, you still do not get accepted. You still do not get the roles. You still don't get it. Did you know, for instance, that black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America? You know why? We, as a woman of color, if sexism is against white women, it's 10 times worse against us. White women have to fight for their seat at the table. We're not even at the table. We're the voices way back behind. And when we talk, we're angry. We're perceived as being angry. I would really encourage Ms. Sandberg to weigh in on this discussion. I know they have their people on Facebook and they talk about stuff. They need to weigh in on this. She probably won't because the backlash would be too much. But again, the sexism in the society, this is why people like Kim Kardashian could never have gotten my support because she continues to perpetuate the myth 
that to be successful, you had to take your clothes off and do a sex tape. And what it created, when I spoke about it back then, it created a whole generation of women who think that in order for them to achieve success, they have to take their clothes off and have a sex tape. Lizzo took her clothes off at a, a Lakers show. and she, I mean, come on now. For her now to be in the mainstream. How do you deal with yourself? But that is what the society tells women. She's as much a victim as anything. I know it doesn't look like it. I know we want to blame her because victim blaming is part of what the society does. Because it's just like it makes her feel that she had to do that. When she did it, she still got blamed. Well, it's the same victim blaming that is assigned to women. It's your problem. You caused it to happen, so you fix it. As if we're the ones who determined that we're the weaker sex. As if we had some agency in that choice. Maybe that's why some women today are choosing whether or not they're going to be female or not. It's in an effort to take back some control and power. Because if you see me as a woman, you're going to view me as being weak and unempowered. And you're going to take advantage of me economically. You're going to take advantage of me intellectually. I could never say, I, I can't, the last time I sat in a space where I had an idea and a man took my idea and ran with it, I have not sat in those spaces since because that's not about to fly. I'm going to shut you up and tell you. But unfortunately, that is the case for a lot of women. And a lot of women right now are dealing with that. A lot of women right now are in places where they have absolutely no control over the outcome of their situation. And they have to live with it. Sexism is not my fault. It's not a woman's fault. The society created it. The society ought to fix it. Don't blame women and expect us to be responsible for the outcome and to clean this up. Because all they're doing is trying to live within the sexism that is part of the culture. My name is Harriet Kimmick. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you so much for joining me. Please come back and join me again. Continue to listen to more of my podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find more information about me on the World Wide Web at www.harrietcamock.com. You can also view my landing page on Google. And you can listen to my podcasts wherever podcasts are sold. I'm an author and a speaker. My books are available on Amazon.com as well as on BarnesandNoble.com. And wherever books are sold, they're translated in the languages of the world. Thank you so much, everybody. Great to have been here. Happy Wednesday. We're pink Wednesday. Thanks so much, everybody.